0: Three San Francisco school board members lose their jobs in a recall. The left prepares its next war on dissent with debanking efforts. And the Russians claim they're backing away from war, but Joe Biden and NATO aren't so sure. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. I talk about them every single show, so why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Get ExpressVPN right now at ExpressVPN.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First... You're spending way too much on your cell phone, Bill. I know you are, because the vast majority of people, they have one of the big wireless companies. You know, you got Verizon or AT&T and T-Mobile because you need the reception, but you're really not just paying for the reception. You're really not just paying for the data. You're paying for all of their brick and mortar stores. You're paying for all of their advertising. What if you could get the same exact coverage as one of those big companies, but pay a fraction of the price? Well, this is where the magic of Pure Talk comes in. This is why I am a customer and you should be one as well. Listen to this. Unlimited talk, text, unlimited data, plus hotspot, 55 bucks a month. That is more data for less money. Join the hundreds of thousands of people who are saving every single month with Pure Talk. You go to puretalk.com, you find the plan that is right for you. You can find the phone that's right for you or just bring your own. Then this month only, you enter promo code Ben Shapiro and you save an additional 25% off your first three months. That is puretalk.com, promo code Ben Shapiro to get started. Why would you spend all sorts of money with a bunch of companies that don't particularly like you when you could instead be spending the money with puretalk.com and be spending a fraction of that money that you'd otherwise be spending with the big guys? PureTalk.com, promo code Ben Shapiro to get started. Save an additional 25% off your first three months. All righty, so last night in San Francisco, major uproar since three San Francisco school board members were voted out by whopping margins. I mean, overwhelming margins. School board member Allison Collins was recalled by a margin of 78% to 21%. Gabriela Lopez was recalled by a margin of 74% to 24%. And Fauga Maliga was voted out 71% to 27%. These are enormous margins. And yes, these are low turnout elections, but there are about 110,000 votes cast in each of those elections for the school board. And again, what this has to say is that the Democrats are in serious trouble. They've embraced wild left standards on nearly everything in American life. And when it comes to the actual running of, for example, schools, they just aren't doing the job. According to Politico, San Francisco voters have recalled three school board members who spurred a parental backlash for pursuing the renaming of schools and other progressive policy changes as classrooms remained empty during the coronavirus pandemic. Initial returns Tuesday night showed that voters overwhelmingly voted yes to recall Allison Collins, Gabriela Lopez, and Fauga Maliga, three of the board's seven members. The early results were dramatic enough. Backers quickly declared victory. Maliga acknowledged his apparent defeat. The outcome in one of the nation's most liberal cities signaled that education issues remain a potent motivator for voters two years into the coronavirus pandemic with midterm and gubernatorial elections on the horizon. San Francisco Mayor London Breed, who has spent the entire pandemic attending maskless events because the spirit moved her while simultaneously allowing people to poop on street corners, she's gotten a scare thrown into her. She says the voters of the city have delivered a clear message that the school board must focus on the essentials of delivering a well-run school system above all else. San Francisco is a city that believes in the value of big ideas, but those ideas must be built on the foundation of a government that does the essentials well. Well, here is the thing. You can afford to be as liberal and crazy as you want to be if you're actually good at your job, but San Francisco doesn't do that. And neither do most of America's big blue cities at this point, which is why people are fleeing them en masse, is why companies are relocating from blue areas to red areas. It's why they're moving from places like San Francisco to even places like Austin, not really well-run blue city, but in a red state. the simple fact is, progressivism is a privilege of the elite. For most people, they just want to live a normal life and they want to make sure that our kids can go to school. And they don't care about whether the school board members' priority is to rename Abraham Lincoln High School or Dianne Feinstein High School. They're not interested in that sort of progressive virtue signaling that gets all these people patted on the back at their cocktail parties. They're more interested in whether things actually run. And when the rents are really high in areas with extraordinary levels of homelessness, drug use, fecal matter on streets, you better make the city run well. I mean, if you're paying high taxes and the living standards suck and you get the progressivism, what exactly is the draw? Breed does get to appoint the three replacements to the school board. Schools in San Francisco remained shuttered longer than in most other cities, even in California. Students did not even return full-time to the classroom until last August. As distance learning dragged on, according to Politico, school board members drew national ridicule as they moved to rename dozens of institutions, including Abraham Lincoln High School. A push to end merit-based admissions at the prestigious Lowell High School infuriated some parents and drew derisive national coverage. Collins raised the temperature further by suing the district for $87 million after she was penalized for an old tweet accusing Asian-Americans of, quote, using white supremacist thinking to get ahead. Recall pro- proponents, including Breed and state Senator Scott Weiner, wielded a significant financial advantage as deep pocketed tech executives, real, inter- real estate interests, and prominent charter school backer Arthur Rock channeled $2 bucks toward the effort. So Breed wanted to get rid of these people as well because she understood that they were undercutting her pitch as the mayor of San Francisco. And of course, it is not just these three school board members who are in trouble in San Francisco. It's also Chase Bowden. So Chase Bowden is the DA in San Francisco and Chase Bowden is in the middle of a recall battle and probably will lose that recall battle. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, the recall fervor over the school board members may not seamlessly transfer over to the San Francisco district attorney, but Chase Bowden is not in great shape because the simple fact is that people in San Francisco are sick of living like this. They're not interested in living like this. All righty, coming up, the Democratic Party has pushed too far and Politico is now noting that they are about to get shellacked in the midterms if they do not change direction. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, you may have noticed me talking a lot about my Helix Sleep Mattress, which I rely upon each and every night to provide me the energy necessary to do the show because my kids wake me up at all times. But that's not the only way I've been getting rest lately. I've also been reliant on Helix's new company, all Form, which makes premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped directly to your door. What makes an All Form sofa super cool? Well, for starters, it is the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, sofa color, the color of the legs, sofa size, and shape. Make sure it is perfect for you and your home. They have the armchairs, they've got the love seats all the way up to an eight seat sectional, and it's modular, which means that you can add to it, you can make it grow as your family grows. Allform sofas are delivered directly to your door. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa, you needed to hire somebody to come put it together. That is not the case with Allform. I put it together myself, and it is really solid. It is really durable, and it is really, really comfortable. It looks great as well. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Ben. And if getting a sofa without trying it in store sounds a little risky, you don't need to worry. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That is more than three months. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They have a forever warranty, literally for all time. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash Ben. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens with Chase About, who continues to not prosecute criminals in the city of San Francisco. Overall, what does this say about where the Democratic Party is? Well, it means that the so-called culture wars in which Republicans are currently engaged are very successful for people who are not just Republicans, but people who just oppose the wild left. The wild left has pushed too far on every single issue, from masking of children to renaming high schools, to trying to indoctrinate kids in critical race theory and gender theory. They have pushed too far, too fast, people are not into it, and Democrats are about to pay the price. According to Politico, today, Democrats' own research shows that some battleground voters think the party is, quote, preachy, judgmental, and focused on culture wars, according to documents obtained by Politico. The party's House campaign arm had a stark warning for Democrats. Unless they more forcefully confront the GOP's alarmingly potent culture war attacks from critical race theory to defunding the police, they risk losing significant ground to Republicans in the midterms. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is recommending a new strategy to endangered members and their teams, hoping to blunt the kinds of GOP attacks that nearly erased their majority last election and remain a huge risk ahead of November. They're going to lose the House. I think they're probably gonna lose the Senate as well, by the way. In presentations over the past two weeks, party officials and operatives used polling and focus group findings to argue that Democrats can't just ignore the attacks particularly when they're playing at a disadvantage. A generic ballot of swing districts from late January showed Democrats trailing Republicans by four points according to the polling. And you can always tell by how many people are retiring. 30 Democrats have said they're not running for reelection in the House this upcoming year. There's always some turnover, but 30 is a big number. The data showed Democrats could mostly regain ground loss to Republicans if they offered a strong rebuttal to the political hits. When faced with defund the police attacks, for example, the presenters encouraged Democrats to reiterate support for the police. On immigration, they said Democrats should deny support for open borders or amnesty and instead talk about efforts to keep the border safe. So in other words, they're not faced with attacks. They're just going to concede that they're wrong. So the best way for them to avoid the blowback is to moderate, which of course has been true for years at this point. If Democrats do not answer Republican hits, the party operatives warned, the GOP's lead on the generic ballot balloons to 14 points from four, which is just wipeout territory. When voters heard a Democratic response to that hit, Republicans edged narrowed back down to six points. The internal presentation underscored many anxieties. The GOP hits are most effective with center-left voters, independents and Hispanic voters, demographic groups that Democrats have struggled to attract in recent years, according to Politico. The solution is not policy proposals. Democrats need to demonstrate they understand and care about stressors in people's lives and focus on the issues without stoking divisive cultural debates. But Democrats' progressive base wants to stoke these divisive political debates. This is what they're interested in. They they left the incrementalism behind long ago. They've decided to go full bore. And when they're called on it, then they simultaneously claim it's not happening, but also claim that it's vital that they go full bore. So, for example, they don't have the capacity to just say, you know what, on critical race theory, you're right. We just want to teach American history. And we don't want to teach that all of America's institutions are fundamentally racist. And that all of the disparities in American life are due to institutional discrimination written into the DNA code of the United States. We don't want to argue that in public schools. We don't think it's appropriate to argue that in public schools. We just want to teach history. That's what we're here to do. That's all Democrats have to say. They won't do it. Instead, they're they're talking about how teachers have to be given the ability and the freedom to teach critical race theory because otherwise teachers might feel nervous. Well, as I've said before on the show, and I will hold by it, teachers should be nervous. We are delegating the most power in our society to people who are members of unions that back Democrats and have specific political point of views. When you delegate your kids to a teacher, you're not saying that the teacher now gets to teach the kids whatever the teacher wants to teach. You're doing so for a specific purpose. You're saying, I want you to teach my kids writing and reading and math and science and actual history, not CRT crap. Not conspiracy theories about the racism of the United States and racial essentialism. You're not delegating wholesale power to them. But the Democrats, because they're so in league with the teachers unions and in hot to the teachers unions, they can't just say that teachers should be subject to parental supervision. This is how you end up with pieces like this from The Washington Post today. New critical race theory laws have teachers scared, confused and self-censoring. And my answer to that is good. Good. Teachers should think very seriously about what they teach their students. I don't want teachers to be comfortable because I don't want, frankly, nearly anybody to be comfortable enough when it comes to the treatment of children that they feel like they can do whatever they want without parental oversight. I mean, imagine if this headline instead said, pediatricians have have, have doctors, pe- pediatricians laws about what doctors can talk about with your kid with regard to sex, have doctors scared, confused, and self-censoring. You'd be like, well, I mean, shouldn't they be? Well, I mean, like they're taking care of my kids in a health way. I don't want them to have like completely un- controlled purview over how my children are raised. Like, could take it to any other area of how kids are raised and you understand that Super, if, if it were daycares, nobody would be talking about this. But according to the left, teachers are supposed to have the ultimate ability to indoctrinate your children. And if they feel a little bit on edge because now parents are looking over their shoulder, that's a bad thing. That that makes things really terrible. Okay, let, let me just explain one more time. Schools are not a free speech area. Schools are a place for the teaching of children. And that does include baseline teaching of values. And so you have to decide as a community what those values are going to be. They're either going to be one thing or they're going to be the other thing. There is no vacuum. There is no world in which the left does not occupy a vacuum left by the right. It doesn't work that way when it comes to whatever standards you are teaching your kids. So the Washington Post writes, a Utah student group was called Black and Proud. The principal had it renamed. A New Hampshire history teacher used to discuss current events in a unit about race and economics. No more. And Florida school officials canceled a lecture for teachers on the history of the civil rights movement while they considered whether it would violate state rules. In 13 states, new laws or directives govern how race can be taught in schools. In some cases, creating reporting systems for complaints. The result, teachers and principals say, is a climate of fear around how to comply with rules they often do not understand. Just understand that according to the left, you should live in fear at your job if you don't post a black square for Black Lives Matter, but they should not have to think twice about what they teach your kids about critical race theory. They should be given complete freedom Okay, now it's completely backwards. And it's funny to hear folks on the left say, well, you know, you say that you're, you're sort of classically liberal in your approach to free speech, but then you want teachers to feel nervous. Right, because schools are where you teach children. Those are not predominantly free speech areas. Free speech areas are things like Facebook. Free speech areas are things like Twitter. Free speech areas are things like the public airwaves. free th- podcasts. these are free speech areas. Newspapers, you know it's not a free speech area? My kid's school, not a free speech area. It isn't. There are certain... There are certain spheres of speech inside the schools, but those spheres are contained. They're not unlimited. The left wants them to be unlimited because they're using the classically liberal rules with regard to speech in order to indoctrinate kids and then say that you are a fascist if you don't want them indoctrinating your kids. That is the whole argument they're making right now. The new measures, according to the Washington Post, typically bar teachers from from suggesting the United States is a racist country from elevating one race or gender over another or implying that one race is superior. Now, that's why is that even remotely controversial? Teaching kids in public school that America is a racist country or elevating one race above another or implying that one race is superior like this should be baseline for what you don't teach kids. So far, this has not triggered wholesale rewrites of the curriculum. Few educators have faced prosecution or punishment. Some teachers say they see no changes at all. But many teachers nonetheless describe a chilling effect. They say they now err on the side of caution for fear that a student or parent might complain, resulting in a public battle or even in extreme cases, they might lose their jobs. In New Hampshire and Oklahoma, which allow anyone unhappy with a teacher to complain to the state, there's an extra layer of fear. Teachers found to be out of compliance can lose their teaching licenses. The law is really, really vague, says Jen Gibbon, a 10th grade history teacher at Holland's Brookline High School in Hollis, New Hampshire. The New Hampshire law bars teaching that people of one age, sex, gender, identity, sexual orientation, race, creed, color, marital status, familial status, mental or physical disability, religion or national origin are inherently superior or inferior to people of another. But Gibbons says she's not clear on the definition of inherently superior or inferior. The response is no one's really sure, she said. It led us to be exceptionally cautious because we don't want to risk our livelihoods when we're not sure what the rules are. Okay, so I'm fine. So you're being cautious. I'm I'm puzzled as to why you shouldn't be cautious. In a second, we'll get to critics of the Florida law who suggest that, hey, why shouldn't teachers be able to indoctrinate your kids with any social values they like? We'll get to that in just one moment. First, I gotta tell you, I did not eat well this last weekend. I really ate quite poorly, like lots of carbs. It was delicious, but... I felt extremely fat, but I didn't have time to work out at the gym on Monday. So what did I do? I popped onto that Echelon bike and I made the magic happen. Echelon brings the gym home to you. Have a New Year's resolution to reach your fitness goals. It can really help to have world-class instructors, choreographing classes, music from your favorite artists, a community of hundreds of thousands of people who can give you that extra push. Echelon gives you that. Echelon is the affordable way to get the workout equipment, workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort of your own home. Echelon's fitness app provides you with thousands of live and on-demand classes with great music from your favorite artists. With Echelon, you can work out anytime, day or night, crush those fitness goals. Just pick your class, climb the leaderboard, cheer each other on, give it your all. It makes it really fun and really engaging. It's not just you kind of riding a bike in your room by yourself. You're actually engaged with an entire network of people who are also riding and competing and having fun together around-the-clock classes for the family, including full-body workout programs that keep you coming back. One membership covers a family of five. Right now, for a limited time, podcast listeners get up to 840 bucks off MSRP. To get this exclusive podcast discount, text Ben to 818181. Again, text Ben to 818181. Get up to 840 bucks off MSRP. Text Ben to 818181. Message and data rates may apply. Terms available at echelonfit.com slash SMS. Membership sold separately. But again, what this really comes down to is we want them to be able to teach leftism. And so we are going to pretend that this is about the freedom of speech of the teachers. And some people are saying this just straight out. Right? Tim Miller, who writes for The Bulwark, he has a piece today complaining about a podcast I did last week in which I talked about the Florida law that suggests that you are not allowed to teach about sexual orientation or gender identity in non-age appropriate ways for primary school kids, meaning K through three, which seems perfectly obvious that you should not be encouraging discussions of sexual orientation and gender identity with six-year-olds. This seems perfectly obvious. And as I said, on that show, you know the, the objection that, well, a teacher, then if a teacher's gay, the teacher can't talk about her wife or his husband. And my answer was, okay, so? Like, really, so? What gives the teacher the right to teach their kids in the school about their personal life? That was not a, a fundamental element of public school teaching when I was growing up, and I'm not sure why it should be now. But Tim Miller, because he is gay and he, and he has a kid, he's very upset about this. He's very upset because he wants his standard to prevail. This is not a question of no standards. This is a question of he wants his standard to win. His standard is that he should be able to have his preferred social standard taught to your kids. I'm not saying that my preferred social standard has to be taught to his kids. He's saying that he wants his social standards taught to your kids. That's the goal here. He says. He says this is a concern for The most sensitive scenario, safety precautions when a student is struggling with questions about their own sexuality or identity. Conversations with mentors at school can be an important outlet for this type of at-risk student. But a don't say gay bill, it's not a don't say gay bill, you're allowed to say gay, you're just not allowed to talk about homosexuality with six-year-olds. I don't understand why this is remotely controversial. Would make administrators especially reluctant to have staff engage for fear of legal reprisals. Well, yes, I don't want staff engaged in tender conversations about sexual orientation with six-year-olds. This is what parents are for. Last I checked. Okay, so here's what Tim Miller writes. And this is, remember, The Bulwark is supposed to be a sort of moderate Republican publication, which of course it's not. Uh, The the Bulwark has now endorsed a wide slate of Democratic proposals, including radical social policy. So here, here is Tim Miller. Quote, on his Daily Wire podcast last week, Ben Shapiro dedicated most of the show to a defense of the closeting of gay teachers and students or those with LGBT families. No, I said that you're not allowed to teach this to K through threes. End of story. Shapiro passionately defended restricting their speech about the most important people in their lives. Okay, again, I passionately defend protecting small children from the predations of adults who wish to talk about controversial social issues with children. I don't understand why the priorities of Tim Miller or the teachers should take priority over the parents of the vast majority of the students in the class. And then he quotes me. Here's the thing. Teachers have no right to talk about themselves and their families in the classroom. This is not a right that adheres to teachers. When I was a kid, I didn't know anything about the family lives of my teachers. And then Tim Miller writes, yeah, the last thing a family values conservative would want teachers to talk about is their loving family. Icky. Take that TMI picture of you and your lesbian partner on a camping trip off your desk is stick it in the drawer, perv. Okay, so um, I'm just wondering why what I said is remotely controversial. It happens to be correct. And yes, as a family values conservative, I do not feel that it is appropriate for you to be teaching my child about two les- two lesbian mommies or two homosexual daddies to, to my five or six or seven year old. I don't think that's appropriate, and particularly with public school dollars, my taxpayer dollars. I don't see why. And the answer is, you want it taught to kids. Why do you want it taught to kids? Because you want to, you want to indoctrinate them in a particular set of moral values. And people know this. People understand this is part of a broader sexual revolution rubric that you're attempting to teach to children and parents are not up for it. So he says, as for whether teachers should have to live in a culture of fear where they risk career calamity if they commit the crime of mentioning their family, Shapiro saw no problem with that. I want teachers to feel like they are on the nice. They should constantly be feeling like I'm looking over their shoulder again. Agree. And you know what most Americans agree with this. Most Americans agree with this. Most people don't care about Tim Miller and how Tim Miller feels about whether he gets to present him and his husband to a bunch of six-year-olds. Most people are more interested in the impact on the six-year-olds and their parents because that's what schools are about. They're not about the teachers. So if the left wants to keep fighting these culture wars, have at it, man. Seriously, have at it because you're going to lose. The parental revolt, you you know what it takes to get parents to seriously intervene in their kids' lives in this way? It takes a window into what their kids are actually doing. For generations, parents have steadfastly ignored the predations against kids. Whether we are talking about the predations with regard to teaching American history or the predations with regard to laws that now cram down teaching about LGBTQ history in a wide variety of states or the laws that now suggest they are not allowed to teach religion in public schools in any way, including just putting the 10 commandments next to the chalkboard. Parents ignored this because they were like, you know what? I don't have the time for this. I don't. Maybe it'll be value neutral. Maybe, well, you know what the left has proved? There is no value neutral in this space. There isn't. Values get taught one way or the other. So which values are going to be? Either The left can admit value neutrality, in which case we don't teach about sexual orientation or gender identity or family constituency at all. Or they can accept that the vast majority of Americans are not on board with teaching small kids about this stuff. They can accept that most Americans are not on board with school board members from San Francisco indoctrinating kids into the racist evils of Abraham Lincoln and Dianne Feinstein. Or they can pay the price of the ballot box, because guess what? The winds are not with the radicals. The winds are against the radicals here. And they will remain against the radicals because those of us who have kids actually care a hell of a lot more about the kids than about the teachers, we pay. The teachers are employees. They, they work for us. They do not work for the radical left. Those are not the people they work for. And I mean, this is the case against public schools as a general matter, certainly controlled at the federal level or at the state level, depending on the state. Once the teachers are not working for the parents, they have lost their raison d'etre it is not the job of teachers to work for the state. They work on behalf of the students who work on behalf of the parents. The fact that this, this connection has been lost is why the left is, um, is feeling its oats right now. And now they're getting clocked in the face and they deserve to be clocked in the face. All righty, coming up, the left is losing the culture wars. So they have to respond somehow. Their way is usually more authoritarianism. And this is no exception. We'll get to that in just one moment first. You may have noticed gas prices are just insanely high right now. And the Biden administration has no answer for this. They, they really don't. And they're, they're talking about how they're going to unload the strategic petroleum reserve, or they're going to get rid of the gas tax or something. None of this is going to have very much impact on you. And it's certainly not long-term thinking by them. Well, here is a way that you can start saving money on your gas immediately. I'm talking about that free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Shapiro for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up, cash back. Do not pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code Shapiro for 25 cents per gallon or more on your very first tank of gas. And it's not just for gas. You can earn up to 30% cash back at grocery stores, restaurants, and food delivery too. You can cash out anytime to your bank account PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download that free GetUpside app. Use promo code Shapiro. Get 25 cents per gallon or more. Cash back on your first tank. Just use my promo code Shapiro right now. That is code Shapiro. Get that free GetUpside app right now. Promo code Shapiro. Get 25 cents per gallon or more. Cash back on your first tank. Stop spending that much money at the pump right now. Get that free GetUpside app today. So the crackback is now happening. So all across the board on a wide variety of issues, these culture war issues are now triggering a response. And because of that response, the left's natural response is to basically crack down on everything. So the big move that I'm deeply worried about right now is the debankification, the debanking of wide swaths of American society. We saw the first inklings of this on sort of a governmental scale in Canada over the last 48 hours, where the Minister of Finance, Chrystia Freeland announced that because of the Freedom Convoy, the Canadian government was going to give banks the ability to freeze or cut off the funds of people who they suspected of giving money to the Freedom Convoy whether or not those, money was, those monies were used for illegal activity. Here was the Minister of Finance.
1: The government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. As of today... A bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith.
0: Okay, so this is stuff actually happening from the government in Canada. But in the United States, it's happening at a social level. You're starting to see... Financial institutions beginning to debank people they do not like. This has been going on for a couple of years at this point. The latest iteration is, according to Business Insider, My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell has now been terminated as a client by the Minnesota Bank and Trust a month after the financial institution described him as a reputation risk. Now, was he defrauding the bank? Was he committing some sort of widespread financial fraud, Mike Lindell? He was not. They just don't like that Mike Lindell says things about January 6th that they don't like. Frankly, he says things about January 6th that I don't like. He says things about the 2020 election with which I strenuously disagree. But guess what? You don't lose banking ability in the United States because you disagree with the the prevailing winds of political opinion. Insider viewed two letters sent to Lindell by the bank dated February 11th. in In one letter, the bank said Lindell's accounts with the bank would be closed by the end of business on February 18th. Any remaining collected balance in the account, sheltered to be closed, scheduled to be closed, will be mailed to the address we have on file. Alternatively, before February 18th, you may transfer using online banking the remaining balance directly to your other banking institutions. Lindell told Insider he had nine accounts at the bank. None were related to his main MyPillow business. He said one account at the bank was connected to his website, Frank Speech. The other was connected to Lindell Recovery Network, the Pillow CEO's platform for people with addiction. Lindell said they just said Mike Lindell's in the public eye. We don't want to be part of the news. And now they're in the news, aren't they? They're evil for canceling us. He is not wrong, by the way. Again, you do not have to agree with Mike Lindell in order to recognize that Banks deplatforming people and getting rid of their ability to bank, cutting them off from the financial services industry, is really disgusting stuff and terrifying stuff. And, and here's the thing the media have jumped in on this sort of stuff with both feet. This is what they want. The left wing media encourages this sort of stuff. For example, big story today from CNBC. Banks haven't quit coal. Study says commercial lenders have channeled $1.5 trillion to the industry since 2019. Now, this is what we call journal activism. Now, this is journalism that isn't uncovering anything. You mean. Coal industries have lenders? La- no, no. You mean coal plants have banks? Like, we all know this, right? Everybody has a financial institution that they use for their transactions, of course. Unless you were in Bitcoin, which again, the more you debank people, the more they're going to look to crypto as they should. Okay, but the whole goal of journalism like this, and I, I, have, I put that in air quotes, journalism like this is to encourage these financial institutions to cut ties with coal, for example. So according to CNBC, banks and investors have channeled massive sums of money to support the coal industry in recent years, according to new research, propping up the world's dirtiest fossil fuel at a time when humanity is facing a climate emergency. Analysis published Tuesday by campaign groups Urgewald and Reclaim Finance, alongside more than two dozen other NGOs, found the commercial banks channeled $1.5 trillion to the coal industry between January 2019 and November of last year. The research shows how a tiny number of financial institutions from a handful of countries play an outsized role in keeping the coal industry afloat. Okay, so again, the entire goal of this sort of reporting is to encourage financial institutions to cut off people they do not like at the knees. That's the goal. That, that, that is why they are doing this sort of reporting in the first place. This, is the, this kind of activism is why, for example, there is a supposed leak website, distributed denial of secrets, which was posting donor files from the fundraising platform Give, Send, Go, relating to the Canadian movement of people opposed to pandemic health measures, including COVID-19 vaccine measures. So they're now literally hacking and leaking out the donor info. The goal here is to get those people targeted. This is what they've been doing on the left for quite a while. I mean, they've been doing this ever since Prop 8 in California in 2008. They literally got the CEO of Mozilla Firefox canned because he had the temerity to donate in favor of traditional marriage in a state that voted in favor of traditional marriage in 2008. So the left for a long time has wanted to destroy people who donate or give money in ways they don't like. But now they're actually targeting banking systems and institutions, going after institutions like Give, Send, Go. And again, this is nothing particularly new. Back in 2021, early 2021, PayPal said that it had blocked the Christian crowdfunding site Give, Send, Go entirely after it helped raise funds for people who attended last week's event in Washington on January 6th. This is reporting from Fox News in, uh, in 2021. The digital payments processor confirmed to Reuters it closed an account held by Ali Alexander, one of the organizers of the gathering. The news was reported earlier by Bloomberg, which cited an unnamed source. So there was no allegation, by the way, that Ali Alexander, who I don't believe was was Ali Ale- Alexander, prosecuted. I don't think that Ali Ale- Alexander was actually prosecuted for January sixth. He he was uh, he was an organizer of some of the rallies on January sixth, and he engages in some uh, rather far right, insane stuff, but. He has not been prosecuted. Nonetheless, there was a a banning from PayPal, Venmo, and Patreon, and he was permanently banned from Facebook and Instagram. So this sort of debanking effort, I think, is going to go more and more mainstream over time because the left seems to want it to go more and more mainstream over time. And, And again, it goes back even further than that. You can go back to 2019, and you can see that PayPal, actually, its CEO said that it was using the Southern Poverty Law Center to identify users to ban. So you now have these financial platforms that are attempting to get rid of people, to debank people. So what happens when it's the government, like in Canada, that's actually encouraging this? What happens when the United States, by the way, begins targeting actual outlets? Not just financial outlets, but other sorts of outlets. So for example... The Associated Press reported yesterday that U.S. intelligence officials accused a conservative financial news website with a significant American readership of amplifying Kremlin propaganda and alleged five media outlets targeting Ukrainians have taken direction from Russian spies. The officials accused Zero Hedge, which is a major website. They have 1.2 million Twitter followers and they have probably 100 million page views a month. They accused them of publishing articles created by Moscow controlled media, which were then shared by outlets and people unaware of their nexus to Russian intelligence. The officials did not say whether they thought Zero Hedge knew of any links to spy agencies. They did not allege direct links between the website and Russia. So you now have the government that's basically accusing other press-associated websites of doing propaganda work on behalf of the Russians, the government. Well, the next move on that, presumably, is some sort of regulation, is it not? And The, the, the simple fact that you have the government saying that sort of stuff is pretty insane. Again, I think that as the left loses control, they're going to try to exert more and more control. That is the bottom line here. And a lot of these corporations, which are looking for certainty from government, are are warm to it. So, for example, YouTube CEO Susan Washkicki, she said yesterday that she wants more governments to pass more laws so that they have more control over online speech.
2: I think governments like can can always you know our, our recommendation if governments want to have more control over online speech is to to pass laws to have that be very cleanly and clearly defined such that we can implement it. There are times that we see the laws being implemented or or being suggested that they um, they're, they're not necessarily clean or possible for us to cleanly interpret them.
0: Okay. Now, the reason that she's saying this is not because I think Susan Wojcicki is ideologically determined to shut down other people's speech. She may be. I don't think so. But maybe she is. What she is saying is that they're being held to account by members of left-leaning governments for stuff that is left up on the platforms and so she is begging them, fine, do it direct. But these governments are not going to do it direct. Right? What Canada did is a rarity. Canada just, the the veil is off in Canada. In Canada, they just decided we're going to go full tyrannical. We're going to seize bank accounts. We are going to, Treat people as terrorists who are not terrorists. We're going to invoke the Emergencies Act in unprecedented fashion because Justin Trudeau, who is definitely not Fidel Castro's son, stop that right now, because Justin Castro, sorry, Justin Trudeau, is uh, is is offended by the Freedom Convoy. They're just going to go full fascist over there. But in most other places, the governments are not doing that. They're just trying to get private industry to do the debanking. They're trying to get banks to to cut off. Ability to to fund your enterprise or even have a personal bank account. They're trying to have PayPal do it. This is why you're seeing the rise of cryptocurrency. And then naturally, the next move for governments is to try to cut off cryptocurrency because of it. Because crypto cuts out all the intermediaries. If you have a crypto wallet, I can just transfer my money from me to you without having any sort of intermediaries. And it's verified by the blockchain. This is what's scaring governments. It's also scaring a lot of these Financial institutions you don't want to get cut out as the middlemen. It's going to completely rewrite the rules of the financial game. So the next move there, I would assume from the left, is going to be to fight crypto. Because crypto is not about allowing governmental control. It's about avoiding governmental control in a lot of ways. So as the left begins to lose, and they are losing, they're, they're, they're on their heels at this point on a wide variety of issues. As that happens, you're going to start seeing them crack down harder and harder. And ironically, the the rationale for their crackdown is going to be that they have to prevent tyranny. We have to be tyrants in order to prevent tyranny, of course. That's always the excuse of a tyrant. Tyrants don't come into power saying, hey, I'm a tyrant, vote for me. They come into power saying that you need to vote for me to stop that other tyrant, and then you need to give me massive powers in order to stop the possibility of incipient fascism. This is why you have Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who wants government control of pretty much everything in your life, suggesting democracy may not exist in 10 years. I mean, she hopes
1: I think there's a very real risk that we will not. I think what we risk is having a a government that perhaps postures as a democracy and may try to pretend that it is, but isn't. We're never beyond hope, but we've already seen the opening silos of this. You have, you know white nationalist reactionary politics starting to grow into a critical mass, I think we will return
0: to Jim Crow. I think that's what we risk. So give her total control, of course. We need the, the voting rules to be rigged by the federal government and Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. We need total control of every area of American life because, after all, fascism is right around the corner. Or you have the even dumber version of this. I mean, it's a dumb version of this. And then you have the even dumber version of this coming from Whoopi Goldberg, who's back on The View to spew insanity. Here she was yesterday suggesting that Trump has put us on the path toward the Taliban.
1: I told you all this when you know who got elected. Do you remember I said it feels like we could be tipping towards the way the Taliban deals with stuff. Do you remember what you said to me? I would not go that far. I would not go that far thinking this is America. And I believe I know people don't understand it, but I also believe that we are much stronger than people realize, certainly much stronger than the Republicans realize because every bad move that you know who made, the Constitu- Constitution said, I'm sorry, you actually, you can't do that.
0: Okay, but she doesn't believe in the Constitution. She wants the Constitution rewritten by a Democratic aligned Supreme Court. She wants the filibuster killed. She wants checks and balances overrun. But to stop the Taliban, you must become the Taliban. By the way, it's always fun to hear Democrats invoke the evils of the Taliban after Joe Biden just handed them an entire country. But as the Democrats begin to lose, look for them to begin to uh, to actually attempt to change all the rules and to cut people off from everything from the banking system to social media. Things are going to get a lot uglier before they get better. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the latest from Ukraine. The latest is everyone is confused. No one knows what's going on. First, if you run a business, you need to be as efficient with your time as possible. Efficiency is key. We spend a lot of time here at Daily Wire on efficiency issues and data mining, and making sure we are doing everything in the most cut to the bone possible way. If you own a business, there just aren't enough hours in a day to waste playing phone tag. The list of customers you need to reach does not get any shorter, especially when business is good. That's why local businesses everywhere are turning to Podium. Podium makes every interaction as easy as sending a text. Everything that makes your business great can get done faster with Podium. It's not just a better way to communicate. It's a better way to do everything. You can gather reviews, collect payments, even market to your customers using text via Podium. Podium makes it all as easy as pressing that send button. You won't just free up more time. You'll grow your business and get more done. I mean, how many times have you ever responded to a telemarketer call? The answer is like close to zero. But how many times have you read a text? The answer is close to 100% of the time. With Podium, you'll close deals with customers before the competition even has a chance to call them back. Join more than 100,000 businesses that already use Podium to streamline their customer interactions. Get started for free at Podium.com Shapiro or sign up for a paid Podium account and a free credit card reader. Restrictions apply as Podium.com Shapiro. Already, the second gathering for my book club kicks off this Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Unless you're a very fast reader, you should have already joined the book club at thirdthursdaybookclub.com and signed up as a Daily Wire member to get my notes and guide for tomorrow's discussion. February's book of choice is Adventures of Huck Finn, a classic by the great Mark Twain. You can get my essay over at thirdthursdaybookclub.com. And of course, we are only in February. There are like 10 more books to go this year. Join the book club today. Make sure that you get your reading resolutions done by joining that book club. It's great. You get my full notes, guide to every month's book. Then on the third Thursday of every month, I sit down with our All Access members online for an in-depth lecture and discussion. You can ask me questions directly. It's super premium content directly for you. I'm excited to hang out and discuss Huck Finn with you this Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central over at dailywire.com. Also, if you missed the world premiere of Shut In this last weekend, well, you missed out. But here's the thing. You can see it still. All you have to do is get a membership today. And let's be honest with you. We need your membership. And the fact is Hollywood has billions of dollars at its disposal to make films that slap you in the head about how terrible you are. But we have you guys, your membership. You make it happen. If you want us to keep competing with Hollywood, then you need to help us out by heading on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe today. And then you can watch Shut In and Hyperion's, which is coming out next month, and Gina Carano's new movie, which is coming out this summer, and it looks fantastic. So please help us out. And we have great content coming out for you all the time. In fact, we have a great new piece of content. It is titled The Enemy Within. It's our new series featuring acclaimed journalist and expert in national threats, Lee Smith. In the show, Smith uncovers a political coup orchestrated by America's ruling elites to generate their own wealth and power at the expense of the American people's safety and freedom. From Anthony Fauci to our educational system to Hollywood and everything in between, every episode takes you deep into what's going on behind the scenes. But those who are supposed to be protecting you don't want you to know. Here's the trailer.
1: What if everything we think we know about our leaders, our society, and our relations with the rest of the world is wrong? America is facing two major challenges. One is the Chinese Communist Party. However, the most significant threat comes from within. you're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world. Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about. We've already seen evidence of how the elites want to run the United States. They're modeling themselves after Chinese autocracy. For over a decade, the People's Republic of China has stood publicly accused of acts of cruelty and wickedness that match the cruelty and wickedness of medieval torturers and executioners. Diane had, had a Chinese spy as her driver for 20 years. We're not talking about one person infiltrating senior levels at the CIA or the White House. We're talking about an entire elite class throughout the political, corporate, academic, cultural, and media establishment. My name is Lee Smith. I've been a journalist for more than 30 years. This is the most astonishing espionage and infiltration operation in history. What you're going to see in this series will shock you.
0: This is The Enemy Within. Check it out. It is chilling stuff. The Enemy Within starts streaming this Friday, February 18th, exclusively at The Daily Wire. If you're not a member, now is the time to change that. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join us today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Meanwhile, the confusion over Ukraine continues. I mean, this is just not stopping because at the same time that Russia is announcing a pullback, NATO is saying, well, maybe you're pulling back and maybe you're not. NATO announced this morning that they don't actually believe that the Russians are pulling back, even though the Russians are now broadcasting video of tanks moving from Crimea back to bases inside of Russia. Joe Biden gave a speech yesterday in which he said, we have not actually verified that Russian forces are pulling back. If they don't, then there could be a bloody destructive war. Here was Biden yesterday.
2: The Russian Defense Minister reported today that some military units are leaving their positions near Ukraine. That would be good, but we have not yet verified that. We have not yet verified the Russian military units are returning to their home bases. Indeed, our analysts indicate that they remain very much in a threatening position. To the citizens of Russia, you are not our enemy. And I do not believe you want a bloody destructive war against Ukraine.
0: OK, then Joe Biden was asked some questions and he uh, directly ran away from the microphone as he is apt to do because he has no answers.
2: We do not stand for freedom. Where it is at risk today will surely pay a steeper price tomorrow. Thank you. I'll keep you informed.
0: Get you later. Jet setting up. Now, here's the thing. I don't actually disagree with what Biden is saying right here. And if Biden is able to prevent Russia from crossing borders and going to war without making any serious concessions to the Russians, that's a win. I spoke with Holly McKay, who is a reporter who's been on the ground in Ukraine yesterday on the show. And what she suggested is that she's kind of confused as to why the West is treating this particular military deployment as wildly different from a military military deployment that that happened a couple of years ago where Russia really was not threatening to to invade Ukraine. She said a lot of people in Ukraine were actually confused about this. So what we have here is a bunch of battling narratives. You have some people who are saying that the West is exaggerating the threat of Russia in order to drive up support for Ukraine and perhaps dissuade Putin from doing anything or to maybe get not Biden some sort of political victory if Putin doesn't invade Ukraine. That's the very cynical view. And then there are folks who are saying, no, 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 Putin's actually threatening Ukraine. And the West is doing what it can to dissuade Putin from going in by mentioning over and over and over again that he's the aggressor. And then there are those who are saying, well, Putin actually is, is not intending on going in. He is, he's threatening because he wants to win some sort of concession. The West will probably give him that concession and then he will get a win without actually having to fire a shot. The bottom line is that it is mass confusion over there right now. James Clapper, who's the former director of national intelligence, he suggested that Putin is backed into a corner. I, I don't know why he thinks Putin is backed into a corner. I really don't. I don't think that Putin's backed into a corner in any way, shape, or form. It seems to me like all options are still on the table for Putin. He could invade Ukraine at any moment. A bunch of embassies have already been moved from Kiev to Lviv and then move west. So I, I don't really understand why he thinks this. But uh, here we go.
2: Do you agree? Is Putin now backed into a corner and now operating from a position of weakness? Well, I don't know. I'd say I think he is backed in a back in a corner. And uh, for one, uh, I th- there's no way that invading uh, Ukraine is going to help any of the con- considerable problems that Putin faces at home.
0: OK, well, I mean, that that may be true, but that's not going to stop him from doing it. According to NATO, as I suggested, while Putin is claiming that he's pulling forces away, NATO says that Russia's continuing its military buildup around Ukraine, according to The Wall Street Journal. On Wednesday, the day on which some U.S. intelligence officials had said a Russian invasion was likely to occur, Ukrainians rallied across the country in a display of solidarity and defiance, raising the national flag, singing the anthem in morning ceremonies. The country was rattled by a cyber attack the previous night. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said, quote, we have heard the signs from Moscow about readiness to continue diplomatic efforts. So far, we have not seen any de-escalation on the ground. On the contrary, it appears that Russia continues its military buildup. But the Russians are fighting a propaganda war in which the Russians keep maintaining that they are pulling out And I think the goal here is to suggest over and over again, they are ready for peace. They're ready for negotiations. And then, oh, my God, negotiations failed. We might have to go in. So the West, meanwhile, meaning the United States and NATO, they're saying we're not seeing any real Russian pullback here. You still have all your people in attack position. You're moving some people out and you're putting out propaganda to suggest that you are now pursuing diplomacy. So that way, if diplomacy goes sideways, you can blame us for the diplomacy having gone sideways. It seems to be very important to the Russians to create dissension in Western ranks by suggesting that the the true aggressors here and the true problems are intransigent American, British, German, French forces. But that's not the reality. I mean, Putin is a master manipulator. On Wednesday, Russia's defense ministry said some of the units had begun leaving Crimea, which Moscow seized from Ukraine and annexed in 2014 for their permanent bases. Some of those bases aren't particularly far from Ukraine. Ukraine itself has launched military drills of its own along the borders with Russia and Belarus as well. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky actually donned fatigues and arrived on Wednesday to inspect exercises in the Rivna region near Belarus. Meanwhile, the Russian Duma apparently is is voting on whether to urge the Russian government to just annex parts of the Ukraine, which, of course, would precipitate some form of of warfare. So it is a disaster over there. We, We still don't know how it plays out. Everybody is sort of holding their breath. The markets are bouncing all around based on this. They don't know whether it's war, whether it's not war. Gen Saki was asked about gas prices rising, which has been happening in part due to the conflict with Ukraine. Here was her answer.
2: If Russia decides to invade, there could be consequences here at home, um, and that could have an impact on energy prices, which could have an impact on prices at the gas pump. Um, and we're taking, while we are taking active steps to alleviate the pressure on our own energy markets and every option is on the table to offset rising prices, as you saw the President act last fall, range of options remain on the table, he also wanted to be very clear and direct with the American people about uh, what the impact could be and the fact that in his view, uh, defending democracy and liberty is never without cost.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm just amused to hear this administration say liberty is never without cost. Also, lock down forever, mask your children and make sure that you vax 27,000 times until Joe Biden tells you it's safe to go outside again. But policy on Ukraine, we can't deem it a failure or a success until we see the actual result of the policy. So far, it seems like it's successful in at least staving off a Russian invasion for the moment. All right, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is the Matt Walsh Show. That airs 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our production manager is Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Wall Show, an activist attempted to assassinate a
2: politician in a major American city. This happened yesterday and already is out of the news. You may have already guessed why, but we'll discuss today. Also, the new mayor of New York is getting a lot of props from people on the right, but he's as much of a race hustler as any other Democrat. I'll play a clip that proves that. And the CEO of YouTube, did an interview where she called on governments across the world to pass more laws restricting speech, plus a bipartisan bill meant to protect children on the internet. I usually say that the worst kinds of bills are the bipartisan ones, but is this an exception to the rule? We'll take a look. Finally, we'll cancel a man who says that women who don't want to see his penis in the locker room are misogynists. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.